Hello, and welcome to Real-Time Strategy, a podcast all about the gaming industry. I'm one of your hosts, Caitlin Redwing, joined once again by my co-host, Sam Mosier. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm cold, Caitlin. Fall is here. <laughs> I feel like it was 80 degrees four days ago, and then this morning it was like 20. Uh, I have a soccer game at 9 p.m. tonight, and I'm, I'm not prepared, um, but it's okay. I'm wearing my slippers indoors right now, so I'm in perfect podcasting gear. I, I always forget, and I like shouldn't because I've like half grown up in Missouri my whole life, but it gets so cold there, and I'm like, yeah, it's cold here in Michigan, I was expecting it to still be 80 degrees in Kansas City. <laughs> oh, don't worry. In two days, it will be 80 degrees again. Okay. Cause... Well, it won't be here, so I'm jealous. <laughs> um, How are you, Caitlin? I'm doing good. I'm also cold, and it's like <laughs> rainy here and gross, and every day that it gets colder, I am looking forward to moving more and more. <laughs> which I don't know if I have mentioned Is on this podcast. Is that public podcast knowledge? Did you just drop a little tidbit? I might have. I am moving to LA next month. Yay. Which is a big move. And some may question my sanity of why I'm doing that. But yeah, our guest <laughs> is shaking his head yes. Um, but I don't know. It'll be a new adventure and I am looking forward to it. Um, and speaking of our guests... This week, we are joined by a virtual reality enthusiast, host of the Between Realities VR podcast, and Upload VR correspondent, Skiva. Thank you so much for joining us, and how are you doing today? I am so good, guys. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is great. And uh, I you've made me really appreciate uh, where I live, because it is not <laughs> cold and gross here. It is, uh, it's a, a beautiful 78 right now, and uh, it is always sunny and warm and awesome and um yeah live in the desert so <laughs> but, but but you will uh you know you'll have the upper hand on me and you know in july and august when it's you know on fire outside because <laughs> it's so hot but uh i'm stoked to be here and nice and warm so oh, thanks <laughs> are, are you in like nevada or i'm in arizona you are you're in arizona yep. okay yep. yes ba- desert <laughs> Yes, <laughs> the straight up desert. Do you <laughs> the, do you do the, the desert area? Yes, the the oven mitt trick to like open up your car doors in the summer because it's so hot. Well, I'll tell you, I have a garage. Otherwise, oh. I would because yeah, you can definitely burn yourself, lean on a car, and get a little bit of a burn. Um, it just gets hot, you know. But it's only for like two months, and then and then the rest of the year is absolutely gorgeous. Um, mm. So I love it. I love it's it a good trade off. Mm-hmm. Well. As our guest, to start off our podcast, we like to ask a couple get-to-know-you questions. And so for today, our first question for you is, what are your favorite virtual reality games? Oh, what a loaded question that is, because I play a lot of VR games. Um, I have to. You know, I, 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 I cover games. I talk about games. I um, help publish games. I... Um, do a lot of things in this industry so i play i do try to play a lot of games now lately um it's been very hard for me to play a bunch of games because one game has had me in its grasps for so long and that's after the fall and and i will tell you i do work for vertigo as my day job too the publisher or the the actual developer of of after the fall but i worked there beforehand and i had no idea what was coming with this game this game is so good and it just takes so much time, right? Like this game is all about progression and weapon progression and upgrading things and until you get better and you can move on to higher skill levels with, with more of you know more ease. And it's four-player co-op. So I get to go in there and hang out with my friends as we're blasting hordes and hordes of zombies. And this isn't like your normal Arizona sunshine type of game, uh, which Vertigo also makes, by the way. But these are... <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of zombies at any given time running at you while you and your friends are just trying to manage the massive hordes that are trying to come and eat your brain. So, you know, it's it's a good time. It's uh, definitely my favorite at the moment and it has been for probably the past year. But I do also have some other uh, you know, games that are my favorite, like Half-Life Alex. I feel like that's a, that's a given, you know, that game is phenomenal. Um, I am a huge fan of the Half-Life series. 
you know, I also recently went through Half-Life 2 in VR in its entirety, and that was fantastic. I love the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners and Demio uh, by Resolution Games and Pistol Whip. Um, and uh, Bone Lab is fantastic. That was that was just a recent release by Stress Level Zero, and that was really good. And even a game, there's a game that not many people know of uh, called Grapple Tournament that is also one of my favorite uh, competitive online shooters as well. So um, I could go on on the subject for a very long time, so I will stop right there. <laughs> I almost want you to because you kept naming these games, and I was like, I don't know how I haven't come across them. Like Hit me I, up I'm, offline. This is what I do. I'll yeah, give you games. If you want games, I will give you games to play. I, I need <laughs> them. I am new to VR. I got my oh. headset for the first time. Like, was it this year or maybe the end of last year? It was somewhere cool. around. Then. So, like, nice. not even a year into it. And wow. Well, congratulations on a brand new reality. How often yes, you get to say it that? It is. <laughs> I I'm very excited about it. Skiva. To set the, I feel like it's important to set the table for the listeners out here. When you're talking about what's your hardware, what what is your primary headset that you use to play these games? So my daily driver, what I use the most is probably my Valve Index. Nice. I really enjoy uh, the frame rate primarily on that headset at 144 hertz. Um, the controllers are great when they're not broken. Um, <laughs> they're, uh, it's it's fantastic. I got a beast of a, of a computer, right? but I do also love my Quest 2. I play that a lot as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of exclusives that Meta has that are absolutely incredible. Um, so I do use that as well. And I, you know, I have a dozen or more headsets here, um, but those are the two that I, I use all the time. That's, nice. I'm, I'm jealous of the Valve Index. I'm yeah. a, I have the Quest 2 and yeah, like you said, there are some good Quest uh, exclusives and I think it is like the perfect intro headset for anyone it who's is. interested in VR. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's just mm -hmm. very easy to get into it. Pretty decent price yeah. point. Even after they increase the price, it still is. Mm -hmm. And when you really, when you add a couple peripherals to that headset, it really becomes, man, it becomes maybe even better with a lot of different aspects of, of, of comfort and just all of these different things that, that you can really push that headset to a really, really good place. You know, like if you were to, Bobo, for example, has a great head strap. There's the M1, which is like an elite style head strap and the M2, that's like a PSVR style halo strap, mm. right? But it has, it also has hot swappable batteries that are magnetized that you can just grab pull one off, throw it on a quick charger, grab a new one, throw it on. You can literally be in there 24 seven, uh, you know, and stream PC VR with it. And um, the Quest 2 has a higher resolution uh, display than, than the Valve Index. Now it doesn't have the frame rate um, and the uncompressed frame rate that the, that the Index does. Uh, and its controllers, the Quest controllers are fantastic. So there is nothing wrong with the Quest um, besides maybe it's backing with Facebook, but you know, that's, to the person um, buying it, but it's a great headset. Nothing wrong with it at all. Um, thank you for the the Bobo VR headset re recommendation because I was going to bring it up later, but I was like, my only downfall about the Quest Two headset mm -hmm. is it is it hurts my head. Like I can get like thirty minutes, yeah. and then I get like that no, the frontal. You, you can't headache. use that default strap. That thing is terrible. And I have used, I think. Every, maybe every head strap that's available and made, mm -hmm. um, like all of them. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm by still have far, the elite. Bobo. The, is it the, called the elite strap by Meta? Mm -hmm. By Oculus. Yes, or by Oculus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, even with that, I'm by like, Meta. It's... Yeah, yeah, and that one's great. I really do like that one. Um, I had the elite battery strap when that was first released, and and it's pretty good. And the Bobo M1 is very much like that, but with hot swappable batteries. But if you like the PSVR style, where where the headset hangs a little bit on your face and it doesn't put any pressure mm -hmm. on your face, right? Then that is a fantastic option. Most people really, really prefer that style. Um, but if you're a fast gamer, you're swinging your head around a lot. It's not quite as secure as like a, an elite style. It straps it right to your face, and you know. But then you do get that pressure. But I'm telling you, Bobo is light years ahead of just about everybody else. They're really, really great. I'll definitely. Tr I'm. I've already added it to my Amazon cart. I was like, I'm on this. Yes. It looks, because yes. I even thought, I don't have yeah. the battery pack on the Elite strap that I have, but I always felt, mm -hmm. I was like, if I had more weight back there to dis distribute that a little bit better, yeah. I had a feeling it, it would just like 
relieve yeah. a lot of the For stress sure. that I have. And, and do make sure you get the one with the batteries, right? Yeah. These little, I'll show you here, but the listeners won't be able to see it. But these, you just pop them on. Like you don't even have to look and see where it is. Yeah. They're magnetic. So as soon as you get even near it, it just oh, click, clicks into place. And then you grab the other one, you rip it off. And you can even use these things like charge your phones and stuff. That's really super cool. awesome. Yeah, they're really, really great. And we do a lot of expos and conventions and demos, right? And to be able to keep the quest going all the time and never run out of batteries is awesome. So, so I highly suggest it. As with all good podcasting conversations, we've stumbled into a question we were going to ask later. So while we're on this topic, I feel like these are some really good recommendations for people like looking in to get into VR. We talked about how the Quest 2 is a great entry-level point. You recommended the... Could you say the brand name again? Bobo? Bobo VR. B-O-B-O. B-O-B-O straps. The battery packs. Great ideas. Any other recommendations for, you know, we had it at the end of the podcast is kind of like, a, okay, you've listened to us talk about VR for an hour. Now, where should you start? But here at the beginning, just as good as ever. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We no, just like jump the gun. I love just it. pop around a little bit. Any other yeah. recommendations? No, yeah, definitely. So, so the head strap is number one, I think personally. The second one for me um, is a good facial interface because while the one that comes with the Quest isn't terrible, right? It it, it is spongy and it soaks up sweat mm. and will eventually start to smell, <laughs> right? It's hard to keep clean. Um, and if you are sharing your headset, that's not fantastic. It's hard to wipe it down with any kind of sterilizing uh, cloth or anything. So, you know, you, you could get a good one from VR Cover or from Kiwi. They both make really good facial interfaces and that's the part that goes around and, and touches your face, right? And they're kind of like a pleather memory foam. Um, makes a huge, huge difference. Um, and the other suggestion I would have um, would be if you want to make your controllers better, uh, Kiwi makes an ex a set of extended grips um, that has like a knuckle covering. So you don't have to necessarily use the strap around your wrist, but you still can, right? But this kind of secures it to your hand so you can let go during throwing actions and things like that. And it makes the controller longer. And for people like me, I'm a pretty big guy, very tall, big hands. Uh, it makes the controllers a whole lot more comfy. Um, so I would say number one is that head strap. Number two is the facial interface. And number three um, for me would be the the controller extenders. I can. So I really like them. I can vouch for the controller extenders. I have the ones from Kiwi as well. And I have small hands. Mm. Like I've got smaller than normal, even for my height. And they work. So it's, I, I like not having to be gripping the controller at all times. Like I, yeah. I find myself like, I play a lot of pistol whip for in like Beat Saber and after I get really into it and I'm like, okay, I need to stretch my hands out and the controller doesn't mm -hmm. fall from my palm because it's strapped on there and it's just, it's more comfortable. Yeah. And like Beat Saber, you're really swinging those things around, right? Yeah. So to have some good grip on there where you don't feel like it's going to go flying across the room and through a window is fantastic to have that extra little bit at the end where it kind of really feels like you're holding a, a saber hilt, right? That's, it's really good stuff. Um, I do love Beat Saber as well. I love Pistol Whip is phenomenal. I really like Pistol yeah, Whip a lot. Yeah, that one. Um, yeah, Cloudhead Games, they're just, they're amazing people, great devs, awesome people that work there. They know VR really well um, and they're, they're doing great things, so. Definitely check it out if you're listening and you haven't played Pistol Whip or their other games. Mm -hmm. Give them a look. Um, well, that was a, a lot of talk for one question, but we do have one more before we really get into it. Um, if you could adapt any flat screen game for VR, either as a port or just like it's a new entry in the same franchise, what would be your choice? So I have always said that it would be Mario Kart. Oh. So I love Nintendo and I love Nintendo IPs. Um, but I don't know if that really counts because there is a very limited uh, run uh, Mario Kart VR um, game that you can play, but it's only in a very few few places in the world. And I went to California to uh, to try it, and it was really really good. <laughs> um, but it's called Mario Kart GP VR, and I but I think everyone needs this at home. But you know, the, one of the problems with any kind of driving game is it's gonna make noobs sick mm -hmm. you know it's not uh it's not the best for people hopping in people see big name ips like that and they immediately want to go to that game and this wouldn't be the best one to try <laughs> but 
I do love Mario Kart, right? And I guess the next one after that would probably be Grand Theft Auto, which is actually is coming, right? Mm-hmm. So we know San Andreas has a has a release coming um, that uh, Mark Zuckerberg himself announced at last year's MetaConnect. So if that ever shows up, I will be stoked to play it. I would love to see the new Grand Theft Auto release with VR support. Oh, that is a very good point. That mm-hmm. could be. Uh, it would be a huge miss if if uh, Rockstar was developing the new Grand Theft Auto without VR in mind, especially with the PSVR 2 coming. Yeah. I am more excited for the PSVR 2 than I have been for any headset since the launch of VR. And I wonder so, if... I'm very excited. I can't remember who it was, but they had GTA 5 VR mods that yep. Rockstar... Yeah, and I have played that, yeah. Mm-hmm. You have. I think Rockstar made them take yes. it down, didn't they? So the problem was the guy who was making these flat screen mods um, put them behind a paywall and you had oh. to be a Patreon to be able to access them. And he had his monthly income uh, public mm-hmm. to what he was making. So he was pulling about 20 grand a month uh, for just access to these mods. And of course, big name places like Rockstar and, and Tencent and, and all these bigger companies that's a big no-no. Right. <laughs> if you're going to profit off stuff like that, they are going to make you take that down. So they, he did have to pull that stuff down. Uh, he's a very talented modder. And, um, you know, if you can get your hands on those mods, they are pretty good. They're not they're not fantastic. There's no, it doesn't put hand, you know, motion controls in your hands. You do have to play that with a game pad. Uh, but there is also another mod for steering wheel. So when you get in the car, you can use your gas pedals in your steering wheel, which is super immersive and really good. But, uh, you know, I really think Rockstar should, you know, hopefully come out with a VR port um, or a VR mode right. for for the game. Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. Because that would be incredible. Fingers I crossed. Think. I mean, they probably saw that guy was making 20000 a month and were like, oh, we're just leaving money on the table by not <laughs> they absolutely making are. this ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if Sony has anything to say about it, I'm sure they'll chuck some real bar- barrels of money at them and say, hey, let's go. Right. Let's go. Let's do this. Right. You know, Sony has fantastic really good relations with with developers that's what they do they're a gaming company they they work with devs and if anyone can get those big name ips to vr it's going to be sony i'm super excited about it yeah you just think about the possibilities of what the next iteration of gt online could look like with vr integration like game over if that happens <laughs> right i mean grand theft auto is its own world it's its own it's its own city at least right and, and just massive, it's a massive ecosystem of everything happening like it would be if you went outside and you walked the, 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 you know, the city streets that, that you live in. There's people doing things, talking on phones, there's commerce happening in the buildings around you. You know, there's, there's cars going by, there's police whizzing by, helicopters in the air. So it's a very immersive environment and uh, it's almost like a completely different existence. And I, I feel like a lot of people will get lost in Grand Theft Auto even more so. Um, if they were completely immersed in a VR um, environment. Um, so I, I think it's a no-brainer, and I hope they're able to pull it off and willing to you know, to pull it off is the big thing. Oh, so many good ideas. I, the only, <laughs> I had like two things that I thought of when I saw this question, and I was like, first, I was like, I want Bioshock, which mm. I, I know oh, there is a Half-Life right. Alex mod for that, but I haven't played Half-Life Alex yet. And I'm like, oh, if I play it, I want to, I know I'm like, I'm telling you I'm behind, but I haven't played the Half-Life games and I want to. Oh. And I just, I like just got them all because actually Sam and I did a Portal podcast on, he has another podcast. And so we played Portal and cool. I was like, oh, I'll just like rebuy them all on Steam. So I've got like the Half-Life games. I'm like, I need to get through those and then I'll get to Half-Life Alex. You know, you you don't necessarily have to do that. The Half-Life games are phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? Half-Life 1 came out a long time ago, <laughs> and it definitely shows its age. It is available in VR on the Quest, even the Quest 1. Uh, Dr. Beef did a port of it, and it's it's really, really good. Uh, there is a Steam release that just happened uh, on the official Steam store of, of Half-Life 1, so you can play through it on there as well. Half-Life 2 is really, really good in VR. You know, it's again, it's a 16 to 20-hour game. Uh, Half-Life Alex is the epitome of what VR, a first-person linear story VR game should be. The graphics are phenomenal. It's super well optimized. Everything, 
uh, is living and breathing and interactable and, and beautiful, right? Um, you know, there probably wouldn't be much harm in going through Half-Life Alex and then going back to the other games okay. because um, it, until the very, very end, there isn't a whole lot that you really need to know about it. You're going to enjoy the game. It is just unbelievably the, the sense of scale and just everything happening. It's just so, so good. So I would highly, you highly probably suggest just it. convinced me to do that. I, I don't normally do that. Like normally if it's a new game, I'm like, I need to play every other game that came before it. Even if it's like a reboot, yeah. it just is something I'm like. Yeah. It's going to be like 30, 40 hours of old games, which they're great games. Don't get me wrong. Right. But what I would do if you have access to be haptics tax suit, I would absolutely play Half-Life Alex with a tax suit on because it is just so unreal. It is so good. How much are these tech? It's so good. It's what sold me on on body haptics. Interesting. Truly. I've never even tried one. I I should see if I I'm sure they're like at tons of conventions, but they might not be anymore. I don't they know are. they are. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah. They're they're just about everywhere. And they're at most VR arcades. Now these aren't impact tactics. You're not going to get shot and like feel yourself blow across the room. But what I what I will tell you is your body and your your brain connects these dots and and makes it better than you think it will be. When you see a projectile coming towards you and you feel something on your body happen, mm-hmm. your body connects that and it and it does this magic, right? That just turns it into so much more of an immersive experience. When you're in half-life and you're hurt and your heart's beating, on your chest and it's actually beating right and then and then you go to a heel station and you use the heel station and you feel the heels going up your stomach to your shoulders and down your back and it's doing this crazy pattern it's like exactly what you imagine healing would feel like in a game if you could actually do that right like we've all seen these heel things and taken heel potions and heel syringes in games and it's like oh, i wonder what that would really feel like well now you can feel it and it's awesome right so it's not just like getting hit by bullets and getting you know and uh, and feeling the recoil of the gun in your shoulder or or having a, a head crab which by the way if you get the facial haptics too having a head oh, crab gosh. hit you in the face is terrifying <laughs> But it is the immersion level is through the roof, you know, because VR, like sight, right? We got the sight thing. We can look around. We feel like we're in the space. If you're wearing good headphones or you have a Valve Index that has some of the best spatial audio and the best sound on the market, that's another huge part, sight and sound. But then you get a feel, right? You have to be able to like, you know, that's that's one of the other key um, key parts of being human and having a human experience. So the more of these things we can get down and uh, and and virtually immerse ourselves in, um, the further away from actual reality we drift when we're experiencing these things, right? And we're actually able to immerse ourselves uh, even further into this tech, and it's pretty awesome. I, if B Haptics needs a PR person, I <laughs> feel like they should call you because. I'm sold, and even with, I mean, they're expensive. Obviously, I mean, it makes sense with the technology that's there. I'm like, okay, adding this to my, like, wish list. Um, because, it, yeah, I mean, VR already feels immersive without those things. But, I mean, everything you just said, it's it really is taking it's it good to the, stuff. the next level. And it is. Do you guys do you guys remember when the PlayStation 3 came out or am I yeah. like I know I'm pretty old, but do you remember that <laughs> launch? So then the PlayStation 3 came out. There there was a there were Sony was fighting with the company that that um that created the haptics in, inside the DualSense controllers mm. and that launched without without any vibration in the controllers. I remember how dead it felt, right? And how unimmersive just a little shake in the controller yeah. made. Right. And then after they resolved their business differences and they re-released their controllers and the haptics were back, everything felt fantastic again. And this is like on your body, right? Like this is like a whole new level of that. You get the haptics in your hands from the controllers, depending on how much you want to spend, you can get the arm pieces, you can get the vest, you can get feet, you can get the face thing, right? And you can go as crazy as you want if you get a big wallet, right? I know it's pretty expensive, but we're getting to the point where companies are making full body suits like the Tesla suit, where you put on like a wetsuit 
and you can feel everything all over you and it's full body tracked and there's hot and cold, right? So yeah, we're gonna get to a place where we're gonna start to lose ourselves at some point in, in VR and in, um, in a way, in a way I look forward to that, so. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about the Tesla suit and I was like, oh, imagine playing an underwater game. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's underwater stuff you can play even with the haptic suit and just the slight vibrations mm -hmm. moving across your body, you almost mm -hmm. feel like that water is just pushing up against you. It's uh, It's pretty wild. Tesla suit, be haptics if you're perchance listening to this and want to be kind and send something to us. <laughs> I will gladly test it out. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm not, but I, it, I'm interested in it. I really am looking forward to the future of VR. I mean, Sam is as well. That's why we're like, we want to talk about VR. We want to have Skiva on. Um, and yeah, you are like one of the VR pros in our industry and so we just kind of want to get to know a little bit more about you and your history with vr um what was your first experience with it why did you get into it and just yeah just a little bit about your your journey so when i was a little kid uh i went to this convention it was in the early 90s and i went to this it was called it's like the future convention or something it was in Boston, Massachusetts at one of the big convention centers. And one of the things that I saw there changed my life from the time I was a kid. And that was a system called the virtuality. And it was the first real VR headset system. Um, and there was a game called Dactyl Nightmare. And um, it was a big CRT headset, right? There weren't LCDs at this time. Uh, everything was huge. Uh, you had to stand inside of a tracking ring. You had one big controller that was wired to the wired headset that was kind of held up by like this big arm thing because it was really heavy, and it um, and it ran at a at a barftastic twenty frames a second. <laughs> but uh, but I will tell you that the first experience I had was also multiplayer. And my sister uh, stood in the one next to me, and when we got into this virtual environment, I could see her. And we saw each other and we ran around on this platform floating around in space and shot at each other. And the sense of presence and immersion I got just changed me from that day forward. I, I remember The Lawnmower Man, that movie that mm -hmm. came out um, shortly after that. I ended up watching it like a thousand times. And ever since then, I was following uh, virtual reality and the progress that different companies were making. And then one day, Palmer Lucky came onto the scene and um you know and and designed the oculus rift and a trailer in his parents driveway and um you know brought it to john carmack all duct taped together and it blew his mind and uh and then you know oculus became a thing and um you know and, and valve uh designed the htc vive and you know uh, really did all the r d uh, to make all that happen and these two major headsets came out and i was just i was so stoked you know, I, I didn't have the money at that time to go out and just buy a, a VR ready PC and a headset and drop like four grand on all this stuff. But, uh, but shortly after the launch of those two things came the PSVR and that was at the very end of 2016, I believe. And, uh, I remember going out the second that was released, I was standing at a Best Buy and I grabbed one of the very first ones. And I came home with every game that they had for it. And uh, I hopped in and I popped in PSVR Worlds and I did an experience called the London Heist. And I don't know if you've played this, but oh my God, it's so <laughs> good. It's like short, right? But like you're, you're, um, you're strapped to a chair and this guy is like interrogating you and yelling in your face and like, it cuts to all these action scenes that are happening. And, you know, there's a scene where you're just sitting at a table in a, 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 like an old restaurant or a pub or something. And there's a cigar on the table and you could grab it and pick it up and inhale. And then when you blew out, like smoke would come out cause you use the microphone. And like, it just, it just really like melted my mind. And, and I, and at the time I had an IT company and I did networking and, and cloud infrastructure and, and a lot of crazy things in, in the IT world. And, and VR just took me again. And as I saw it was here for real this time, um, I had to get into it and I, I sold my company. I got rid of everything and I moved 
to VR. And it's, I like, I believe in this tech so much, not just for games, but for all kinds of things that I, I feel like I have to be involved in this and I have to be there to do my part to push this forward and push it into the public eye and to show as many people as I possibly can because it's one of those things you don't get it until you put the headset on you know someone one of your friends or family they can go to like Hawaii or Jamaica or something right and they'll come back and, and they'll be like watch the videos oh check it look at how beautiful this is and you're like yeah that's cool. Oh, it looks super pretty, right? But it's not till you get off the plane and you're there that you're like, what? This place is nuts. And it's the exact same thing with VR. You can watch all the flat screen videos and trailers and all that to your heart's content, but you're not going to get it until you're in a truly immersive environment um, doing something amazing that you shouldn't be able to do, you know? Um, so I'm in, man. I am. I've changed my entire life around this tech. I believe in it more than anything I've ever believed in in my life. So that's me. <laughs> I am envious for the amount of passion that you have for VR. It's not many people have that much like passion for one thing in their life. And especially if it's something that you get to do for work and like you, I mean, it's just very obvious that you truly do love VR and I really do. I really do it, it's it changed me it fundamentally just it just changed me i needed to do this mm -hmm. you know there's there are very few things that ever happen in one person's lifetime that are so life-changing and groundbreaking as a technology um, you know we had the internet that was huge right cell phones huge um not just cell phones but smartphones specifically yeah. um it was such a big thing and vr is above all of those things in my mind, at least. I, I think you're right. I think you are way ahead of everyone else who views VR. There's could be there are many reasons probably for that. Um, mm -hmm. A lot to do with you it. You gotta be able to see forward. You gotta see into yeah. the future and what's gonna happen. You can't just see something for right now. Right. You know, like when the internet started, I remember my dad was always like, what do I use this for? I got mail, it's in the box up front. Right, like I don't need I don't need any of this. What do I need this for? But he didn't have the vision. He didn't. He couldn't see forward past what was happening right at that very moment, mm -hmm. and what this is going to bring to society and to humanity and to schools and education and to training and work and medical and just all of these things is just beyond anything that most people can imagine. But I see it. I see it. <laughs> we need we need to get this there. Um, so. I'm going to jump around. I know Sam sent you our outline, but since we're talking about the future of VR, I'm going to jump a little bit forward in our topic discussions because sure. one of those topic discussions is the future of VR. And we have had some pretty big news in the VR sphere in the past week because last week, I'll give a little um, overview for our listeners. If my page will load. <laughs> But yeah, la there it goes. Last week, Meta held its Meta Connect Showcase. They unveiled the Quest Pro, the next headset in the Quest lineup. Um, it will be out October 25th, which is, it'll just be a few days after this podcast goes live. And for those who missed out, the Quest Pro is an advanced VR device for, I mean, what Quest, for what Meta says is collaboration and creation, and is priced at a whopping uh, $1,500. It's much higher than the Quest 2, so it might have come as a little bit of a shock for many people. But the headset does feature several very big improvements over the Quest 2, which it's an entirely new lens system. The depth of field is like severe, it's majorly improved. There's clearer, sharper visuals. There's local dimming tech. Uh, you get richer, more vivid colors. It is a sleeker design. It's I can't remember. I have not tried this headset yet. Have I? Face and eye tracking is pretty big. Yes, face it's and eye tracking. Um, mm -hmm. it, it looks like it's probably going to wear more comfortably than the Quest 2. Mm -hmm. um, oh, Pancake okay. lenses is a big thing because it reduces yeah. the size of the headset. Um, it's like a quarter of the of the Quest. Yeah. Right? So it's a pretty big, pretty big step in the technology, or maybe forty percent or something, right? But it's like, it's it's a big deal, and and the. I think one of the most overlooked features of this is the eye tracking. And um, because, you know, at first 
if you're not really used to this tech and what eye tracking really does, you think, okay, I look around and so does my avatar, right? And that's great. And that's great for social VR and things like that. But what this really starts to enable and why Sony is putting it in the PSVR 2 and why I think almost every major headset will be utilizing this for in the future is because of dynamic foveated rendering. And what that is for the non-nerds out there is that means that only the very center of the screen where you're looking will be will be rendered at the full resolution of the screen. And the rest can be severely down rendered, right? To the point where it's very blurry, but you'll never see that because just like your actual vision works in your, in your real body, outside of where your eyes are pointing is all very blurry. And as you turn your eyes, that's where the crisp um, vision comes in. And that's exactly what this does. So being able to utilize the chips and the headset right now to not have to render full 4K images all around you and everywhere you see and only doing the very pinpoint of the screen at full resolution then opens a whole new avenue of high fidelity games that you could not get out of a mobile chipset before because you know we have we have headsets like the Pimax AKX right they have 8K displays or two 4K displays but in a, in a 200 degree field of view and that's great but it takes like a NASA supercomputer to <laughs> render to 200 degree field of view at 8K. It is very, very difficult. I, my graphics card alone was two grand and it can't even handle that, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a big deal because you're only doing this little tiny dot in full 4K. So you can pull off visu visuals now um, as developers start to really implement this and the tech gets better and better and better at, at ridiculously high resolution and a very, very high frame rate. So this is going to open the world of, you know, you hear a lot with the Quest 2, like, oh, it's like PS2 graphics. Well, all that's going to start to change. It's not going to be tomorrow, right? It's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to take some time for devs to implement this stuff and for all the headsets to come out that use this. But dynamic foveated rendering, in my opinion, is the most important tech that VR has seen since hand track, or since, since just hand presence. Mm -hmm. That's very exciting. And thank you for explaining it to, like you said, the non-nerds out there. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that technology is being used in, for lack of a better term, flat screen gaming right now. Like I know, for instance, mm -hmm. if you're playing Horizon Forbidden West on your PS5, everything behind Aloy is not rendered. But the minute you're spinning your right stick, you know, that is when then the computing you know, power goes to that. So that's, I didn't realize eye tracking was being used for a similar concept in VR. And that's very exciting for the reasons you explained. Yeah, it's going to open a whole new world of, of high-end graphics, right? Especially in the world of mobile chipsets where, you know, where not everyone has a super fast, very high-end gaming PC, you know, and that's what we need in order for this tech to move forward. It's got to be affordable. People have to be able to get their hands on it. Um, you know, it's very tough. It's a very hard ask to ask someone to drop two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 on a VR setup for something they don't even know if they're going to like, right? Like eventually, um, you know, when, when you start getting your hands on this stuff and you start seeing the potential, sometimes you'll, then people will start to budget that in if they can, if they even have the means to, to begin with. But, uh, but really getting this to an affordable, um, uh, set of technology, like, like the quest line and all these other headsets coming, uh, you know, three, four or $500 headsets is a big deal. Cause that's the cost of a PlayStation. That's the cost of an Xbox. Right. What are you going to buy that for? What do you want to look at a flat TV and look at a window into a game when you can be there and you can embody the character and you can live out that fantasy that you're trying to do while sitting in a couch pushing thumbsticks? Like this is where it's at. So yeah, I'm excited I, for this. I mean, we know like one of the hindrances of VR is just like getting more people to adopt it. It's just the numbers. It's not even close to like other consoles and PC. Do you see the price point of this Quest Pro as more of a hindrance for VR? I mean, there's all these like great technical improvements, but unless those are in a more consumer-friendly headset, are devs going to even implement those in their games? Because the user base for the Quest Pro to me is very much not people who are going to be playing games. It's going to be right. enterprise. Right. Well, there's, there's definitely two sides to this. Um, so the, first of all, the Quest Pro isn't the only headset that's, that's implementing um, eye tracking. So that's a big thing. Um, uh, the price point of the Quest, being, the Quest Pro being $1,500 is a big deal. It is definitely there uh, to, to be scooped up in droves by enterprise. 
by the companies that know, hey, I'm not going to spend, you know, a hundred grand this year on sending my employees out to do this training at these different locations when I can spend $1,500 and put them in the same situations in the same place that we would without flying them all over the world, right? So, so the training implications and just the work in general, sending people, people uh, by, by laptops and computers, by the droves, companies send them to, to their employees because they're very val valuable tools that you couldn't do this work without. So now being able to uh, send out employees um, a headset like this, where they can put it on, they can still see the real world, they're not completely overwhelmed, and they can hop into meetings and have face-to-face -face conversations and be able to draw on virtual whiteboards and pull up 3D models and, and expand them and go inside and look at the seals and products and, and design new things and, um, and, and do this way more efficiently and way more cost-effective is huge. And what that's gonna do is it's gonna, all of that money is going to be trickled into consumer stuff. Right. So as companies spend all the money and give them all the profits, they're able to reinvest that in, uh, in what will go out to the masses. Uh, the Quest 2 isn't going anywhere. It's still in production. It still will be in production for a long time. Um, so this is just the, the, the pro version um, for companies to spend um, money on to fund the rest of VR development. Right? We get Sony that's coming in with eye tracking on their PSVR 2. And that's going to be a big deal because all of these devs for the PSVR will implement this tech and then that will trickle down to the other headsets that have this as well. So, you know, when you have multiple headsets and multiple reasons to implement a feature, you're more apt to do so, especially when you can make a better looking game and, you know, and it, it just, it's more impressive and it gets more buzz because how beautiful it is and uh, just all of the different features that you can use. Like for example, um, in the new firewall game, um, they have implemented uh, a system where you can bring up a menu and just look at the gun you want and it appears in your hand, right? So it's super fast being able to track and use menu systems by gaze and it's extremely accurate. Um, so companies like Sony getting in the game that have big relationships with big developers is going to be huge for all the other headsets that are using the same tech. Um, but uh, to answer your question there, I think, I think that a $1,500 Quest might do more for the cheap VR stuff um, than people think it might, right? And I think that goes back hand in hand with that, you know, phrase we said earlier of of looking far ahead into the future. Because I think the, you know, argument that a fifteen dollar head, a fifteen hundred dollar headset is prohibitive to like the growth of VR is a, understandable in the near term, but it is I think short sighted by nature and. You know, it is the development and iteration of this tech that will then, like you said, find it you yeah. know, years later in more affordable headsets. Yeah. And it's perspective, right? You, uh, there are not only $5,000 computers out there. That's one kind of computer. And that's the kind of computer that a lot of companies use to do very specific things. There are affordable laptops and computers for consumers to buy. There is the Quest 2, which is like a four or $500 headset, right? Um, that is there for consumers to buy, um, and companies that need to spend more to do more, you know, to do things that will ultimately save them money in other ways are going to adopt this. They're going to spend the extra money because they're going to get benefit out of it that me and you playing population one are not going to get, right? It doesn't really matter for that stuff, but it does matter for these companies that are going to be doing this training and they're going to be a designing cars and, you know, and uh, building the next helicopter and just doing all of these things that, that uh, takes a lot of money to do. Uh, the $1,500 is nothing for that. And obviously this is a gaming related show and, and a lot of our conversations around VR, of course, are naturally geared towards software and, and, and entertainment releasing on it. But Skiba, one of the great things about your podcast between realities, and we'll, and we'll talk more about it in a bit, um, is you know looking beyond just the gaming applications of virtual reality. From your read of the industry and landscape right now, what is kind of like the state of enter enterprise using VR? What industries do you find are like moving quickest to adopting it and finding the most value there? So I've seen such a vast array, just, just so many different uses and so many different companies that are using this. Um, one that just comes to mind, because I remember going and doing a demo, uh, is ExxonMobil. 
Um, you know, they, they have oil rigs in the middle of the ocean, right? Places and there's employees there and sometimes things catch fire and there's nowhere to go, right? So you, they have to train employees for, um, for these situations. And instead of putting them in danger, they can do this stuff in VR in very realistic ways where they actually have to navigate the same places that they have to navigate in real life. They have to go down the same corridors, take the same lefts, right? Find the same valves in the same places. And these, and people are using, are, are making legit memories, um, uh, training in VR in this way, right? Where they're able to, to remember in when situations do happen that they've already done this in simulation. Uh, the army has been doing this stuff and the armed forces has been using simulation forever because, you know, why, why are you going to put someone in a real plane and maybe they'll die because they're, they're, you know, they're not experienced when you can put them in a simulator. And that's exactly what's happening here. There's surgeons, there's, there's hospitals and they're doing uh, procedures on virtual people instead of real ones, which is fantastic. I think there's an absolutely massive market market for education once this stuff comes down in price. Um, I have seen things in VR and I've put, I've allowed my daughter to experience things in VR that she, it's, that stuff is solidified in her mind now. Like I remember as a kid looking in textbooks and seeing the size of the sun compared to the size of the other planets. Well, yeah, that's cool. That little (laughs) circle in the book, like I get it right. But like, I remember my daughter going into VR and standing next to the sun and watching this little dot go around the sun that was the earth. And then she grabbed the earth. And she looked at it and she was like, what? And then, and then she threw it into the sun and it was just like, right. And like, like she gets it now, like that's embedded into her mind forever. Like there, like you can't do that stuff in a book. You can't like, like really visualize and understand some of these concepts as quickly um, and as effectively as you can in VR. So education is going to be a massive thing, right? We're in a, we're in a time right now where, where there's, you know, we've been ransacked by horrible viruses, you know, that have that have shut down, you know, society. Um, you know, there's school shootings. There's all these terrible things. Uh, if everyone's sitting at home, but they have the same um, presence as being there with their with the with their other students and being able to group up and team up on projects and doing all these things without the viruses, without the guns, without all of these other things that come with this stuff. Um, we're in for a very, very bright future in education, which means we're in for a very bright future in general because we're going to have smarter people, right? We're going to have more educated people. There'll be more access to education and higher levels of education and people will be able to learn faster and more efficiently, um, which then trickles to every single industry in the entire world, right? Education is everything. Um, so that's, that's, that's another spot for it. Um, car manufacturers like BMW and some of the more higher end places are designing all of their vehicles in VR now, and they're spending a fraction of the price to, to do this and pumping out the cars even faster and more efficiently with less problems. Uh, companies like Boeing and airplane and helicopter manufacturers are all doing the same thing. I have friends that design spacesuits for astronauts in VR. Like that's nuts, right? They can go in and they can like zoom in and like get right into the creases of these suits and see where air leak failures might happen wow. and, and just, you know, pressurization issues that, that, that could happen. Um, you know, just things that you might not even think of that just have these tremendous values uh, of being able to design things and implement things in VR. Um, so like the possibilities are just absolutely endless. Um, this tech is going to open uh, the world to all kinds of things and faster and faster evolution of products. And, um, you know, it's just endless. So it's exciting. It's very exciting. And even though a lot of the things you listed are a hundred percent for like professionals in their field, I was like, I am such a simulator, like geek. I'm like, I want a real, I want to make a, a astronaut suit. I want a like realistic surgeon simulator. See what that actually looks like. Um, flight simulator. Like when is we already have Microsoft Flight Simulator? It's mm-hmm. how much harder is it going to be to actually just yeah. do that I, in VR? I was at CES this past year. Did you do you go to CES at all? I wasn't at the CES. Consumer Electronics Show. No. No. So every year in Las Vegas is a Consumer Electronics Show, uh, and it's like all the newest tech and the greatest stuff. And uh, one of the companies there. Uh, makes, um, uh, they're called, um, uh, the name's slipping my mind right now, uh, VR engineers, and they make a headset called the XTAL, and it's a very high-end headset, 
with really impressive mixed reality pa pass through with full human field of view. And they make um, really cool uh, plane simulators too, where you actually sit in a cockpit, all the buttons are there. And it has a mixture of mixed reality and virtual reality. So you're looking out the window and the headset is able to see where the windows are and where the floor is and all of these different parts that it can replace with virtual reality while still giving you your actual hands, the real steering wheel, the actual knobs, right? And I can look over and I had a real Air Force pilot sitting next to me in the cockpit and I could see his real face, uh -huh. but everything else is VR. And then we got, and we, we got in an actual plane that I'd never be able to fly, right? Like. And he was able to walk me through the procedures of actually starting the engines in these things and taking off and leaving the Las Vegas airport and then flying around and banking back in and then trying to land a plane, right? And all of this with motion seats and real knobs and real actual haptic feedback from the actual things being there mixed with virtual reality and very high-end equipment uh, was absolutely nutty, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, the, this is just, you know, if you do want to try some of these things, CES is a fantastic place to go and put on a Tesla suit and see what it feels like and try behaptic stuff and yeah. and try some of these flight simulators and, and some of the things that you only see in movies, but they are there and available for you to uh, to try out. I might be at CES this next year. I don't know. It's always, I hate the timing of CES. I know everyone does. Yeah. I get why it I is, hear, yeah. but it's just, I'm like, ah, that is like still holidays for me. And yeah, it is. But it is. I don't know. To me, that's the ultimate Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do get to play with a bunch of toys, but you just don't get to bring really, them home with the you. The <laughs> coolest toys. And I get, the, and then the after parties, going and hanging out with all of yeah. these people, and just partying, and all the people that do all the things that are absolutely amazing that you love, and um, you know, it's breaking bread with them, and 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 you know, getting to know them. It's just absolutely fantastic, and I highly advise some of these things. If you don't want CES, you can always try something like AWE, which is the Augmented World Expo. Um, it takes place up by San Francisco, and um, lots of virtual reality tech and really cool futuristic stuff, and. Um, all the newest, latest, and greatest. So we've done a lot of conversation about the gaming applications of VR, real-life enterprise, educational applications, uh, and this is all kind of tangential to a big thing that is in the current kind of scope or you know objective of meta, of building the metaverse, uh, which has been in the headlines a lot this week. Uh, there was a Wall Street Journal report that uh, users were not reaching the annual goals that Meta had set out. And as Skiva kind of noted at the beginning, there is a contingent of people, for lack of a better term, kind of rooting, or at least, you know, not eager to see Horizon Worlds, which is uh, Facebook or Meta's uh, Metaverse product succeed. Uh, Skiva, how important do you think Horizon Worlds or, or broadly kind of Metaverse uses of VR are important to its future? So I will say that I think the the um, the overall metaverse thing is very very important. I think it's very much the future. I think it's kind of the internet, but three D and being there as opposed to seeing web pages or whatever, but it actually being able to go and interact with people and things. And um, I think it's a big big deal. I think Facebook's or Meta's um, way of getting into it and you know what they've designed is not the best right now there are some incredible metaverse platforms um, well let, let's start off by saying this too the metaverse isn't one thing that's like saying my website is the internet it's not it's just a part of the internet right but it's a you know it's a big it's a big central hub and it's what people will kind of know and and you know when you eventually when you put on a headset you won't be in a local oculus home or MetaQuest home you'll be in maybe a horizon home and there'll be people outside the front door and you can walk out and interact with people and and bounce around from thing to thing the problem is that um they're designing this based on a cell phone chip and you know that's kind of a hard thing to pull off um there are so many other platforms that do this stuff better right like we like if anyone out there has seen the movie ready player one there's the oasis and we have software out there that is very similar to that already now granted it takes gaming computers to run this stuff 
right? And Meta doesn't want to go that route. They want everyone to be able to buy a quest from Walmart or Target or whatever and put it on and enter the metaverse. But but Horizon, is it it? I don't know. I mean, they have they have like what, 11, 12, 14? I can't remember exactly how many thousands of people working on this. And and they have unlimited funds and this is what they came up with, right? So it's, you know, they didn't even give anyone legs. What's going on here? So I don't know. I don't know that they are executing this properly or with the right vision um, or with, you know, but, uh, but this is just the start. This is the Atari 2600 phase of the metaverse, right? And uh, it's only going to get better and it will get to a point eventually uh, where it might surpass um, you know, a lot of people wanting to live in the real world as opposed to it most of the time. Uh, I spend a lot of time in a metaverse application called Neos. And Neos is everything you could ever imagine completely realized, right? You go, you know, to these beautiful worlds uh, that are created by other people um, and you can tear apart these worlds and build things yourself and grab an object and go, oh, why doesn't it do that? Well, let me just make it do that real quick. And you can pop open an inspector window and add drivers to it and physics and make, make anything do anything without ever even taking your headset off. So we have amazing platforms right now that are not as accessible as Horizons is on a quest. And that's kind of a problem. But eventually, as tech goes up, dynamic foveated rendering becomes more and more popular. Um, you know, uh, we're able to figure out how to dissipate heat better off of some of these chips and make chips run faster with less um, heat problems and, uh, you know, make things faster and faster. Eventually, those types of applications that you're only able to run on high-end gaming PCs will run as well on mobile headsets or even cloud-rendered um, stuff, right? So we're going to get there. Uh, Horizon is a you look at it and you just, it's just not impressive. And I can see why a lot of people might not believe in the concept of the metaverse because the biggest, one of the biggest companies in the world, like that's what they put out for the world to see. Yeah. Um, but it will be huge. And uh, we might have to rebrand it and not call it the metaverse for people to really get into it. But I'm telling you, it's going to be maybe, you know, the biggest thing ever for humanity in, in general. So. I, I definitely think one of the things that Horizon lacks in the marketing for like the metaverse is the entertainment aspect of it, because to get anyone to do anything, <laughs> you need it to be like fun and entertaining, even if not every aspect of what this product is, is going to be the entertainment part. But you, you definitely need that draw to get people to try it at first. And coming out with Horizon Worlds is like, oh, you can have meetings. And everyone's like, oh my God, like, I don't like <laughs> meetings to begin with. Why, like, I don't want to go do have a meeting in VR because I don't want to have them now on Google Meet. It's <laughs> it's just, it's this the wrong approach. I It is, yes, I agree. Even I agree. if it's like, You need to yeah. be able to go in and hang out with your friends. Yeah. Go do things, play a game, yeah. go sit down and watch a movie. Go, um, you know, just be social and do things that you can't do in real life. Right. And um, without the limitations of all of the other things that come with real life stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can't like if I if I even started trying to list off the things I've done with my friends in the metaverse, it, it wouldn't even make any sense. Right. <laughs> like people would be like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Like this just it's just it's just nutty. It was literally the only thing that prevents you from doing something in some of these high end metaverse pro platforms is your imagination. If you can think it, it can happen and it can happen pretty quickly, which is wild. So if you can imagine just think like, like imagine some crazy dream you've had, but being able to just make all that real, you know, like it, it's just, it's just nuts. And being able to go, go shopping and hang out with friends and go bowling and then bounce around to different platforms. We have to be able to like launch and be like, Hey, you want to like play some Beat Saber, hit a button and we walk through a door and there right. we are. And we will get there and eventually it will be the standard uh, for, for these companies to have APIs so everything can connect together. Um, but we're just at the very, very beginning, right? And it's, it's going to get there. I promise. It just, it just will. It's the evolution of the internet. It's the evolution of humanity, in my opinion. So we're going to get there. Just uh, have some patience. <laughs> I am not a patient person by nature, but I cannot wait to be able to go in and play a D and D campaign 
and be able to like see and be my character and yeah for real that'll be awesome it'll be fun um (laughs) well as we kind of wrap up we want to talk about your show between realities um it is um a VR show and official show from of Upload VR. Can you and you host it with Alex VR, correct? Alex VR, Alex yes. VR. That is my co-host. Yes, and we do this show from a spaceship flying through space, right? Because you can't be between realities and be chilling in your basement. So <laughs> we, <laughs> so we are flying between realities and talking about between realities. And we are. This is a a a, a podcast um, from a philosophical um, gamer's perspective. Right, because we are gamers at heart. We're gamers through and through. We play a lot of games. We always have, um, but at the same time, we also see um, the the like what this technology can do and what it's going to do for humanity. And we go, we do tend to dive down the rabbit hole, you know. But you know, from everything from uh, you know from from just talking about the VR news to you know simulation theory and and um, all kinds of things in between, right? So we are all over the place. We have all kinds of guests um, from game developers to um, authors to um, to influencers, right? We've had people uh, like, I don't know if you know, Kent Bai um, has been on. We've had like the Virginia Philosophy Reality Lab on some really interesting philosophical conversations with like Karam Maliki Sanchez, um, but we also had news outlets, like we've had upload VR, a bunch of people from upload on there, a bunch, you know, people from road to VR, which is another big one. Authors like Blake J. Harris, history of the future, uh, Gary Walkton from the memory engine, both phenomenal books. If you haven't read those, I highly suggest them, uh, influencers like Nathy, sadly it's Bradley, um, pretty much any VR YouTuber. Like we, we have a lot of these people on, we have game studios on, like we've had alchemy labs, um, people from there and you know, space pirate trainer programmers and uh, like Chris Haney and uh, people from like Unplugged and After the Fall. And um, so we really get all over the place uh, because this tech isn't just one thing. Um, And it's really important. There's so many aspects to discuss and really think about. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people only think about the gaming part. So it's nice to talk about the gaming stuff, but then kind of nudge in some of the things some of the other things that maybe people haven't thought of um, and really kind of deep dive into, you know, what it even means to be human, because ultimately that's what we're trying to emulate. We are creating an entirely new reality. We're replacing this, like what we're feeling and seeing right now. We're, we're, we're making a whole new one. And that's, that's bananas. When you think about it, that's a, that's just so cool. Right. So being able to talk about what that means and, uh, and all of the things involved with that. Um, it's just a lot of fun and we have a blast doing it. So if you want to check it out, it's uh, every Friday at two o'clock Pacific Standard Time live on the Between Realities YouTube channel. You can also find it on uploadvr.com. It will be on the front page every weekend. Um, so you can hop on there and check it out. Um, and it's awesome and I love it. And I love this community. I love the VR community and I love everyone making this tech that I love happen. So. It's a love story to them. So Skiva, having people heard that pitch, which is a great pitch, by the way, and knowing where to go find it, YouTube again at Between Realities or at UploadVR.com on the weekends. Uh, Obviously, a new episode is always a good place to start. But are there any favorites, any episodes you would point a new listener to to check out? Yeah, and that's a good question because everyone's so different and they want to see and hear different things. So really, you know, like I was mentioning, we have... Uh, VR influencers on there. If you're into like VR YouTubers and stuff, we talk to all of them. We talk to authors. We talk to the news outlets. We talk to the philosophers and the people that are creating the metaverse and building all of this stuff and building the games. Um, so we have such a wide variety of of everyone and everything in VR um, that if you just go to our YouTube channel um, and you just scroll down the list, you're probably going to find something that interests you, right? Like check out some of the descriptions and like really decide you know, what you kind of want to get out of this. And I'm sure we're covering it on one of those episodes, but we really do bounce around a lot. And we do try to cover a big variety of, of everything, virtual augmented and extended reality. So 
um, yeah, check it out if you can. I mean, I think, you know, the presentation of the show is great. It looks good. We try to sound good. We try to bring interesting conversation and ask questions. Uh, you know, we, we get deep on things. We've had many times where guests break down and cry and I don't try for that, but we get deep sometimes and sometimes things happen and things come out and like, so, you know, it's, uh, it gets, it gets wild. It gets great. We talk about things, games coming out and hardware coming out, but also everything else. So, so come by, check it out. Maybe you like it. Well, yeah, I guess on that note, go check out Between Realities. Um, yeah, Skiva, where else can people find you personally? Uh, so I do most of my uh, rambling on Twitter. If you can, you can follow me at Skiva on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, find also Between Realities at Between Realities without the first E. So B-T-W-E-E-N Realities because there's a character limit. <laughs> so one of the letters had to go. <laughs> uh, you can also find me uh, doing stuff on UploadVR.com. Um, I am uh, at Vertigo Games. You can I do a lot of location-based VR stuff. I'm at pretty much every expo that features virtual reality. Uh, at least in North America, I do travel across to other ones as well sometimes, uh, but I go to pretty much every expo that's around here that has anything to do with VR. So you can find me there, hit me up, send me a DM. Um, I will, you know, a answer any questions you have. Um, so yeah, there I am. <laughs> great. Well, yeah, this was such a great conversation and I thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank you for just... your time. Yeah. yeah, thanks guys. I appreciate you having me on and letting me just ramble on about this this crazy tech that I love so much. I appreciate your time and your platform and I love what you guys are doing. And uh, and it was great meeting both of you when I get to meet you at two different conferences. And uh, I think you're both awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, well, thank you. Yes, we definitely look up to you as just one of the greatest hosts and you've got a great show. Oh. And we hope to keep improving our own show. Um, Sam. Thank you for being a great co-host. Where can people find you on the web? Yeah, we have a lot of growth to do. Like, we're not on a spaceship. We've yet to no. make anybody cry on the show. Or at least, like, bring... You I know, think I've cried. <laughs> I probably have cried. Bet on that. <laughs> but you can find me everywhere at Sam Scott Mosier. Another show that has not brought tears to at least my eyes yet or um, is on a spaceship, but does have Caitlin Redwing, uh, the Super Mosher Brothers show. We did a 15-year anniversary retrospective on Portal and confirmed that, yes, the game still rules. Uh, so find me at all of those places. Caitlin, where can the people find you? Um, first off, I probably cried in that Portal episode. <laughs> I, I just That game's bet. so funny, it brings me to tears. <laughs> I probably got introspective about what it means to be human. <laughs> You did Talking talk about, about how much you love when AI shows emotion. I did. And I got, I might've got emotional because I was thinking about 2001, a space odyssey. And that movie makes me cry and emotional. A lot of things <laughs> make me cry. Um, everyone can find me mostly at Twitter at Caitlin Redwing. I talk about games and VR included. And I talk a lot about movies because that is another one of my loves in my life. Um, and you can find this podcast at Real-Time Strats because we also ha hit our character limit <laughs> and had to come up with something. You can also email us at podcast at triplepointpr.com if you'd like to be a guest or if you have any suggestions of topics or guests you want us to have on the show. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you again, Skiva, for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.